Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is February the 12th, 2019, and this is episode 2379 of the Survival Podcast. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy the show. It's part 10. Part 10 of what? Bug Out Trailers with Spierko and Harris. That's right, Stephen Harris from the Expert Council. And everything under the sun, 1234.com, will be joining me in, uh, in just a moment. We're going to talk about bugging out today. Uh, and this is really independent of trailers as a whole. We're going to talk about bug out uh, needs for fuel. Uh, the fuels that you need for heat, light, cooking, you know, you name it, so your vehicle can go down the road, what's available, how to store it how to get more of it when you're running out of it, what you can do with it, what stuff it works with, what stuff it doesn't work with, how to prioritize things. We're going to talk about all that and more in just a moment. Before we do, let's go ahead and uh, hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is HarvestEating.com. We're going to talk a little bit about cooking today, uh, campfire cooking. I'll tell you, you can teach you about campfire cooking, cooking with a stove, cooking meat, cooking vegetables, cooking grains, cooking everything including all the cool stuff we talk about growing in your garden. That's Chef Keith Snow, also an expert council member. And you can find out everything you need to know about Chef Keith over at HarvestEating.com. You can find his great online courses in cooking. You can find his blog, his YouTube channel, and his amazing products that I use in my kitchen every week. Learn more at HarvestEating.com. And remember, if you're an MSB member, Chef Keith does give you a discount. Next up today, Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason at his website, Directive21.com. The Berkey Guy is, well, he's the... Berkey guy. In other words, the guy that you want to go to for all your needs when it comes to Berkey water filtration. He's got some other really cool stuff for your prepping needs at his website, directive21.com. Like many of our sponsors, he does a discount for MSB members. Been with us a long time, guys, like eight years. Jeff the Berkey guy Gleason has sponsored this show. He loves dealing with you. He always tells me you guys are the best customers he has that come out of this audience. They're, you guys are just dedicated to preparedness and, and, and really loyal to him as a, as a vendor. And I just think that's awesome. And Jeff earns your loyalty with great pricing and great service. The man's a maniac at customer service. I actually kicked him, near kicked him off of a discussion panel one time. We were at a seminar, and I was asked to put together a discussion panel to answer questions on preparedness. This is on stage live. And he's up there with his tablet handling customer service issues while he's on the discussion panel. I had to make him put his tablet away. That's how dedicated he is to taking care of his customers. You can learn more again at Directive21.com. Next up, if you, you want to support this show, the number one way to do that is become a member of the MSB. And the MSB is on sale right now, but you only can find the code if you're on the email list. You can get the email list by going to the survivalpodcast.com and slip, uh, click, slipping on, clicking on subscribe. And uh, subscribe to our email list, and when the daily mail comes out, there's going to be a code in the bottom of it. Wednesday will be the last day that code gets put in that email. And that means that today is the last day you can hear on the air that you need to subscribe to the email list. And I promise you on Thursday when the daily mail goes out, that little P.S. at the bottom of that mail is going to be gone. And when I make a promise that something's going to disappear, it usually disappears. So do consider becoming a member today, and you'll get all the cool stuff, which is all the discounts that pay for your membership. That's the way to look at this. You use the discounts, it pays for your membership, and you support the show. It's a real simple, easy, economic decision at that point. 
Drop it in Excel. I promise you, Excel never lies and it'll tell you it's a good decision. And you support the show that you love at 20 cents an episode. All right, folks, and with that, it's my uh, great pleasure to welcome back to the Survival Podcast yet again, Stephen Harris, member of the Expert Council, also I think the all-time, even without the bot shows, all-time most appearing guest on the show. Steve, we're here for Bot Show 10. In case anybody's been under a rock, you want to tell them what a bot is? <laughs> Hi, Jack. A bot is a bug-out trailer. Uh, designed to be hooked up to your vehicle so you can bug out really quick. It's got all your stuff in it. And, uh, that was a general idea, but hey, everything you need to bug out, you need to bug in with. I mean, it's all the same tools. So we've been using this wrapper of a bug out trailer basically to talk about a great deal of preparedness that works when you're away from the home but yet still works for you when you're in the home or in, in any diff difficult situation. It, it's still all true. Stuff we're going to talk about today can be used by a, uh, a hiker. Yeah, or in, like you said, in your own home. I've actually heard from a ton of people, Steve, that are like, I've thought about this with the resources and all, doing a bug-out trailer, and based on my risk tolerance, my area, what I can carry with my truck as it is, I'm probably not going to build a bug-out trailer. Still love this series because... There's so much practical preparedness. You two guys bouncing stuff back and forth with each other. So, and, and I, that's kind of where I'm coming with that is what you said. Like almost everything you need to bug out, you need to bug in. The bugging out, the complicated part is making it portable. But that also brings us to today's show. If we're yep. gonna bug out, um, you know, my picture for the show today. I've been doing these quirky pictures lately, and it's it's, it's barf from um, uh, Spaceballs. And it says it's, it's, and he has the liquid shorts, right? He's like, it's liquid shorts. It powers everything. I found out about it from Harrison Spirico. Um, <laughs> and it'd be great if we could get liquid shorts and we could put it in our RV and we could just go forever. That would be awesome, but we yep. can't. So today's show focuses on fuels. We're going to talk about fuel so the vehicle pulling the trailer can run because if it doesn't, you got a problem. We got, might have to cook. We might have to heat. You know, we need lighting. So we're going to talk about all that stuff today. And, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that your go-to fuel for most of this stuff, other than like making the car down, go down the road, is probably going to be propane and propane products. Now you listen to me, mister. I work for a living. And I mean real work, not writing down gobbledygook. I provide the people of this community with propane and propane accessories. And that is exactly... <laughs> Where we start off, you know, with uh, the fuels we're mostly concerned with for transportation, you know, like you said, we're doing cooking, lighting, and heat. Uh, we're going to cover each fuel for bugging out in the trailer, but the number one fuel, while is propane. It's the quickest, easiest, simplest thing to use other than for driving the vehicle. So while propane vehicles are awesome and used to be popular in Australia and Canada, uh, and actually I have a vehicle that runs on propane, well, natural gas, hydrogen, uh, ethanol, E85, uh, it's carbon monoxide. Anyways, I got a vehicle that runs on it all. Uh, you're not going to find a place to refill with propane. Uh, some RVs used to be propane, but that was like in the 80s. So other than gasoline, the number one fuel without, without exception for, uh, with, except for transportation is going to be propane for light, cooking, heat. 
You can get propane in one-pound tanks. You can refill those tanks, 20-pound barbecue tanks, 40-pound tanks, and 100-pound tanks, which are kind of hard to move. Nothing's going to start quicker, run easier, better for up-and-down adjustment, want to simmer, you want to cook, you want to eat up fast. It's available in bulk quantities. It's everywhere in the country. It's part of the video that I'm making in the membership area harris1234.com, about how long things last. i, I got to tell you, for the last couple of years, there's this guy by the name of Jason Hansen. He's ex-CIA, and he is allowed to say he's ex-CIA. He runs this thing called the Spy School, and he teaches civilians spy techniques and tricks, and it's oriented towards survival and preparedness and stuff, but they're what we call hard skills is what he's teaching. And uh, everyone was saying, you got to work with Jason Hansen. you got to start teaching with Jason Hansen. you got to, it's like over and over and over. Well, the guy actually came to my website and bought something. I go, huh, I got Jason Hansen's cell phone number. <laughs> you should so, have asked me. He's been on the show twice. I would have just gave you his information. Oh, okay. Well, so <laughs> you, 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 know, you know who he is. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's great. He's a great guy. So uh, it looks like I'm going to be uh, teaching with him, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, anyway, so I was kind of like doing this interview. He was interviewing me, and uh, one of the things that black ops, covert ops, and spies might have, they might have a, um, a safety deposit box or a storage locker in which they keep emergency supplies in case they need to go on what we call escape and evasion, go on E&E, and, and they have to get out. You'd call it bugging out. So I said, I'll make the short story short. So I said, Jason, I got one for you. I'll see if you can answer this. You have a storage locker in Country X, okay, and you've loaded it up with stuff that you need to exfil or go on E&E and get out of the country and go to a safe haven, you know. Uh, gun, weapon, ammo, food, water, clothing, money, all stuff. Now, if you are going to go to this locker in 16 years from now, and it's going to be 11 o'clock at night, and you're going to get in there, do your combination code, roll up the door, it's completely pitch black, and you need to reach forward and have light on in less than five seconds, that's been hanging there for 16 years, what is it going to be? You hear this pause, pause, pause. He goes, I don't know. You got me stumped, Steve. What is it? The answer is a Coleman Instastart propane lantern with the mantles pre-burnt. I got one hanging in my basement and hanging in my mother's basement since 2003, and I test it on the same bottle. I test it on a regular basis. When it's off, it's off. All you got to do is reach up there, turn the dial, push the Insta-Start ignition button, and you have instantaneous illumination even 20 years from now. And he thought, man, that's like... That's cool tradecraft, dude. <laughs> well, it, so, it blends right in with what we've talked about. Maybe you don't have a bug-out trailer. Maybe you have a bug-out storage facility. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, but I, I, I'll tell you, that. I mean, it's always been my favorite field because of what you just said, and not so much instant light that I don't care what it is. It ain't going to go bad. No. Nope. Right? You, you will die, and, and if you've left a can of propane behind until the can rusts through, it will still be good. 
Yeah, perfectly. Absolutely. 100%. I love it. So you have a pretty cool resource. We'll have a link in the show notes for how to refill those little cans. Yes, yes, yes. You don't need to freeze them and everything else. And the thing is, the important thing is look at the end of the video and look at his weight. He tells you the weight of the bottle with filling it without freezing, filling it with freezing, and filling it with uh, his method. His method actually puts too much into the bottle. He had to bleed some out. But when you look at the numbers, it's like, boy, I can get 78% of the bottle filled without freezing. Just go ahead and use the refill uh, adapter. Uh, it's a great video. We don't need to explain it to you. Watch the YouTube video in the show notes. Uh, it's great. So as we were talking about propane for light, propane is fabulous for light. Now, the thing is, if you got a propane lantern hanging in a trailer, it bouncing around will break the mantles. So you want to have the mantles unburnt in the lantern when it's in the trailer. That way you take your everyday carry flashlight, which you should have with you, and then you uh, light the mantles, burn them in, and start them up on propane, and away you go. So that is what I would recommend. We got a link to some Coleman uh, lanterns in the show notes. Uh, for everything from Keep It Simple lanterns to the Coleman lanterns, the Instastart to Matchlight. And that that's great. I, I personally prefer single mantle lanterns, but we'll cover that a little bit later. Uh, but most of the ones you're going to find are dual mantle. For cooking, look, propane is just it, isn't it, Jack? I mean, one of your favorite things is the Camp Chef stove. Uh, the Camp Chef is a stove that I believe that everybody that does not, you know, it's great for bugging out camping and whatever. If your range is electric because you're sad and you live somewhere where you don't have the option of a gas range, you should get the Camp Chef stove and make breakfast out on your back porch. And it, yep. will, it will change your life a little bit. That stove, it, it seems expensive, but it's really not because that stove will cook with the performance of my kind of high-end gas range, which is a $1,600 range. And yep. it doesn't have as much space, obviously, but I can't tell a difference between the performance of, of that burner and the burner on my $1,600 range. It, it's that and good. It, and it's only 100 bucks, and it'll last you literally a lifetime. I mean, I, I, I love Camp Chef products. I can't say enough good things about them. I have a gas range, and I use mine all the time anyway because I have my outdoor kitchen, and... I have my Camp Chef out there, so if I'm doing something with the grill and I need a burner, I use it all the time. I can't say enough good stuff about it. <laughs> yep. Yep. In the range of uh, propane burners, you got single burners that go on top of bottles. you got single burners that are flat on the stove, which is a Coleman. And probably the best dollar for the money is the Coleman dual burner, which is um, like a little really thin suitcase. And it's like 40 bucks. You can have two things going at once off of one bottle, nothing tips. I personally, when I travel, I use a single burner on top of a propane bottle just because all I'm doing, and mostly what you're going to be doing is heating water and adding food to the water and stuff like that. So you're not going to be simmering soup for a long time. And, well, the lower heat thing you might do is make pancakes, and that's about it. Yeah, no. I mean, when you're when you're on the go, you don't want to be taking you know, all day long to make dinner. That's that's not the the plan in that situation. That's right. That's right. Now for heat, and in case there's a formula to everything I'm going through with all these fuels that match everything up, so you can compare them for heat. I I think all we need to do is say, hey, use a buddy heater for propane heat. I can't do better. 
That's what uh, I own. I, when people say, well, like, well, what would you get if you didn't? It's like I, I, it, I, I, I almost can't answer that. Like, I guess I could take the question to be, well, what if, what if God brought down his thumb and smashed everybody heater into oblivion and you couldn't get one? What would you buy? And then I would have to be forced to find an inferior product. But for this type of heating, in fact, all their heaters. I like the Big Buddy, but there's the smaller ones and all. That's the product line to look at. I, I wouldn't go anywhere else. Yeah, right. Uh, and also, what you don't forget, you can use a propane stove as a heater as well. In fact, Bob Wells of Cheap RV Living on YouTube, fabulous guy, fabulous channel. Uh, I'm sorry I just cost you about 12 hours of your life by introducing you to him. But he actually, in his van, he uses a, a, a single burner pro, uh, Coleman propane stove for heating his van because it takes so little heat to heat his van and you can turn down the Coleman stove infinitely to any level that you want. That's what he uses for heat. So don't forget, there's a two is one, one is none function stacking feature there. Awesome. Now, to get more fuel on the road, which is something we're going to talk about for every fuel, you can stop by almost any gas station, hardware store, Home Depot, Lowe's, Menard, Dry Day, Party Store, and swap out the propane tank for $20 if you got a barbecue tank. Note, when you swap out a tank with one of these exchange services, I bet you didn't know this. You're only getting 15 pounds of propane in a 20-pound tank. When you have a U-Haul or an RV place fill your propane tank that you own, you're getting a full 20 pounds. And I pay $13 for a full 20 pounds of propane at my local RV place. Let me give you two heads up on that. Number one, the beautiful thing about the, the swap of cylinder ones is when your <laughs> cylinder passes the magical date where the yep. government says your cylinder will explode if they fill it up. It's retarded. Yeah. But then the U-Haul place or tractor supply won't fill it. So that's what I use them for. When I get one in and they go down there, and guys like, I can't fill it. It'll kill us all. Like, okay, fine. So I'll pay more for less, but it's less than buying a new cylinder, and I don't have to deal with any crap. The other thing to be careful of, some of the places that you get your tanks filled, they will screw you. They will just charge you for whatever it is to fill a tank, even if that tank's not all the way empty. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always let my tanks get all the way empty before I fill them back up. If I have, like, two empty ones and a third one that's half empty, and I'm going to go fill those two, I, I take the half empty one. So just make sure you're dealing with a reputable place, because what they should do is weigh the tank, take the difference, and bill you for that. And I've seen them try it the other way, and as you might imagine, Steve, it doesn't go over well with me. No, my place, <laughs> actually, my, when my, my place, when they fill it, it's sitting on a scale. Yeah, that's what and, I'm talking and, about. Yeah, and they fill it on a scale. So uh, to carry more with you, carrying propane tanks is very safe. Carrying propane is safer than gasoline in your fuel tank, literally. Don't believe the Hollywood crap about them blowing up. Mythbusters shot them with a 12-gauge shotgun slugs, <laughs> rifle bullets, even tracer bullets, and not one ever caught fire. So don't worry about it. Yeah, I I completely agree. I I uh, I have heard people say that. I, I always ask you, have you ever heard of one actually blowing up? Well, everybody knows. No, that's not what I said. Like, has there, have you ever heard of one just exploding? And, and and no, the answer is no. I do have a funny, quick story. Right? When I was a kid, I had this friend, wasn't exactly very bright. Uh, this guy named Mike. And we're driving. Me and my dad are in his truck one day, and we're driving back to our place. We see him on the road. He's like, "We'll pull him over, give him a ride." So he jumps in the back of the truck, and we had just filled up a couple of propane tanks. And uh, he goes, "What are these?" And my dad, not realizing how stupid this kid is, hands him a huge crescent wrench and says, 
they're tanks. Take this and beat on it, right? And just hands them the wrench and, and, and through the split window of the truck and starts driving. And about three seconds later, we hear, wang! <laughs> so, <laughs> the old man throws him out of the truck, so he's not welcome anymore. So I would advise you to do that, but he could have beat on that thing all day long, and the only thing he would have gotten was a headache. Yep, exactly. Now, gasoline. This is your number two fuel. Your number two fuel. See, propane is your easiest fuel, but gasoline is your most abundant and cheapest fuel if you have a gasoline vehicle. So you must have a way with a small squeeze bulb and a siphon to get fuel out of your tank or to get fuel out of your extra fuel that you're carrying. So for transportation, you're running gasoline now. For cooking, you're going to be stuck with using an omni-fuel stove like the MSR or the Primus or the Optimus omni-fuel stove, or you'll probably end up using a Coleman dual-fuel stove and a dual-fuel lantern. Uh, there's a one-burner and two-burner Coleman dual-fuel stove, which means it runs on Coleman fuel, white gas, or it runs on gasoline, and it runs on gasoline very well. For light... Coleman also has a nice, nice line of dual-fuel lanterns for illumination. These can also provide heat when they're running, so you got function stacking there. Uh, it can light and heat, but normally when in an enclosed space, the fumes from a lantern, either on Coleman fuel or gasoline, are such that it begins to affect you. It's not really so much a carbon monoxide thing. It's a byproduct combustion thing. You start to cough a little bit or get... A sore throat. The lantern will run in terms of hours when you use a lantern, but if you're running a Coleman stove on gasoline, you're basically running it in terms of minutes, right, Jack? Absolutely. I mean, uh, how long does it take you to like make scrambled eggs or to couple, make pancakes? Couple minutes, ten, right. ten tops. Right, so maybe 30 minutes at most, and you're not always on high. So the fumes from the stove are less of an issue. Yeah, I mean, it's got that Coleman fuel smell that we all kind of love and remember as a kid when we're out camping and everything. Um, I'm actually working on a video that will show you how to use a fuel, not Coleman, not gas, that is less than $2 a gallon and does not have a fume issue with it at all. I actually run the lanterns and the stoves inside my house, and you can't smell it or tell that it's on. It's really pretty awesome. I even have a uh, $500 four-gas calibrated industrial meter that tells me the level of oxygen, the lower explosive limit, and the amount of carbon monoxide to a single ppm in the room or the house based upon what I'm using inside. Uh, this will be a future addition to the Harris 1234 membership area. But no one on YouTube has a calibrated $500 four-gas meter <laughs> that will only last for two years just to show you the amount of CO that is coming off of anything that you are burning in the house. And I'm going to show you dangerous stuff, and I'm going to show you the safe stuff, and you're going to be amazed at what's dangerous and what's not dangerous. That is the level I go to when I go to give you information. You know, I bring the instruments along. I don't just say they's and them's, and you should, and you shouldn't. And by all means, don't listen to a hose puller fireman when it, when it comes to uh, using a stove inside your house because – <laughs> Anyways, 
<laughs> yeah. Now you're going to have a pain in the rear end with pumping the stove and a lantern to maintain pressure. But the nice thing is it runs on a fuel that you can harvest from anywhere. For you can get it from a gasoline station. You can get it from your vehicle. You can get it from the extra fuel, and you can get it from other people's vehicles. Now, for heat, personally, while I know ways of using gasoline for heating purposes in a bug-out trailer, they are such a hazard with gasoline, and the downside is so severe that I'm not going to say this in public. I don't, I'm, I don't have a safe way for me to tell you over the radio of using gasoline as a heat source. So unless you're, one, a smart person, and two, you consult with me personally over the phone or in person, then do not do this. I can train you one-on-one on how to do it safely, but I can't do it over a podcast for the masses. I'm sorry, so you can't use gasoline for heat. To get more fuel on the road, it's from your car, your extra fuel, gas station, or other vehicles, to carry more with you. Now, listen to this. This is important. While I will never tell you to carry extra gasoline in your vehicle or your trunk on a daily basis, 24-7, because you will get into an accident eventually, and you'll become what's called immotilated, Carrying jugs of gasoline inside your vehicle or in the back when you're bugging out or in the trailer is very acceptable. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you, Jack? Oh, I know you it, would. <laughs> no, it's a, it, when you're bugging out, it's acceptable because the chances of you getting into an accident while you're just bugging out, it's very small, and you need the fuel. you got to have the fuel. So check with my fuel and fuel storage class, which I did with Jack. It's a podcast. It's free. It's at stephen1234.com. It's also in the membership site that's now open. And I got tips on carrying gasoline in 15 and 5-gallon containers with you. You got anything else you want to say about gasoline, Jack? Uh, no, just other than when it comes to, you know, carrying gas with you, it's something that's done all the time. Uh, I've been on a few adventures where if we didn't take gas with us, um, we wouldn't have come back. Or let's just say it would have took a really long time to come back <laughs> because <laughs> we would have been walking. So, we, you know, we've done some Jeep adventures and stuff like that where uh, without a few jerry cans, you don't have the range to complete what you're doing. Uh, so it's not something to be feared. I agree with you. Constantly driving around with a five-gallon gas can in the backseat of your car, really not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, the thing I love is the saying sailboaters have is uh, when something goes wrong with us, we can't walk home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, we need to move along a little bit in case you guys are listening because I got a lot of content. I'm trying to squeeze it into an hour and a half. Diesel fuel. Okay, so for transportation, while diesel is the best fuel that you can probably get for a vehicle, it, and you, it's basically only used for transportation, it can be used for cooking, light, and heating, but nowhere is as near as easy as gasoline and propane. Uh, regarding transportation, when everyone is out of gasoline, and I saw this in South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia during Hurricane Katrina when the Colonial Pipeline got shut down. I was down there on vacation. Gas stations everywhere were out of fuel, but I always have enough fuel to drive home. 
when everyone was out of gasoline with zero 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 for their prices on their signs and the and the plastic over the pump handles, they all had diesel. So diesel is a fuel. It's the last fuel to go, and you'll be able to still get it. Now, if you want to cook with gasoline, the MSR XGKEX and the Optimus OptiFuel stove run on diesel. I had one, have one, and I ran mine for diesel for about 20 hours when I was traveling around the country. It's like, man, I got a diesel truck. I'm going to run my stove on diesel. It runs on diesel. <laughs> for 20 hours, it clogged up, and I needed to rebuild it. So they really require good cleaning when they're running on diesel. You really got to use that little shaker jet or the little magnet needle to clean the orifice on a regular basis uh, if you're running uh, those stoves off of diesel. Uh, especially the little jet ones. So keep that in mind after every use. Uh, clean the orifice with whatever the orifice cleaning tools that come with your stove uh, are. Now, for illumination, can you use diesel for lighting? That's a good question. The Petromax lanterns, now the bright light lantern, does run on diesel fuel. Suggested for outdoor use only. Diesel fuel, especially diesel fuel with 10% alcohol mixed in it, will run in a regular old-fashioned kerosene lantern. Even the $6 one you get from Walmart. Metal or glass, it'll still run in it. But you can only get about half the light out of it, out of it versus kerosene or refined lamp oil because the fl- if you turn it up too high with diesel, the flame becomes sooty and stinky when you turn it up. But, Jack, I mean, if you didn't have anything else, would you take half the light coming off a kerosene lantern rather than no light? Yeah, I would. I would also try not to end up in that situation. Um, I think it's good to know what you can do with diesel. Um, If it's something that is a a dual fuel device like you're talking about where, hey, you can make it work, that's good to know. Uh, I would personally not get into buying anything for specialized use with diesel unless it was a vehicle. Uh, And a lot of this stuff comes from the stuff that we can do with it. Uh, Honestly, uh, Africa. Where yep. that is the fuel that everybody used, you know, all the range, all old Range Rovers and stuff all use diesel and, you know, camps and stuff. And they made whatever they used to work. And I, I get it, but I, I would, you know, for lighting, there's so many better solutions. But if that's what you're down to, that's what you're down to. Yep. If that's your last ditch resort, that's your last ditch resort. I agree with you 100%. That this is diesel fuel for lighting is not a situation you want to get yourself into. And just because you can and just because they do in Africa doesn't mean you should either. But you're coming to the, to the survival podcast and you know me, I bring you everything. And I bring it to you in context. So if there is like a way to do it, I'll do it. If I just wanted to cover the stuff that was like simple and easy, the show would be over in 15 minutes. Gotcha. So for heating, there are Chinese diesel air heaters that are really freaking good. They need about a half amp at 12 volts to run. They come in 2 kilowatt, 5 kilowatt, and 8 kilowatt, which is 7,000, 18,000, and 28,000 BTUs. I really like these. I'm getting one for my bug out trailer because my truck runs on diesel. Uh, they're safe. They actually, you gotta put two holes in the wall or the floor or the roof. And, uh, they bring air in for combustion and they exit the exhaust out and they suck in internal air on a different circuit and blow out warm air. 
Just look for diesel air heaters. That's the keyword, diesel air heaters on eBay, Amazon, and watch the YouTube videos for all of the education you could possibly want to know on these. They're less than 200 bucks. You could actually put one in a piece of plywood and put it in your sliding glass door and close it on it, and you could use it to heat part of your house or a room in an emergency. That's how good these things are, which I'll have a complete video coming out in the future on that subject as well. Uh, Jack, I'm determined to become the most prolific preparedness video maker in the entire face of the planet, so I have long outlines for everything. All right, man. Also, the old style, not made anymore, Perfection, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-I-O-N, brand of oil and kerosene heater, but they say oil heater on them, runs on diesel, fuel just fine, even indoors, they are on eBay. To get more fuel on the road from your car, from your, you can do it with the extra fuel you brought along. You can do it from your vehicle if it's a diesel. You can get more diesel at a gas station. You can get more diesel from other vehicles, especially the side saddle tanks on semi-trucks. Just make sure you bring your Glock with you. Uh, you want a quick funny story about I that, guess Jack? it sounds like how to get your ass shot to me. Uh, I, was ta- I, was, I was talking with this, like, uh, secret squirrel black ops guy, and we were... Uh, chatting about what uh, credit cards do they carry when they're like on mission around the world, and it's like you know Visa, American Express, you know you know Discover's not taken everywhere, American Express is taken everywhere. Some places don't like American Express because of the high fees, so you got a black Visa card and everything else. And he goes, Steve, you know what? No matter where I've gone in the world. You know, whether I have American Express, Visa, or MasterCard, I found that they always take one thing. I go, what's that? And he goes, they always take Glock. <laughs> you know, every time it's like, you got a Glock, it's like, they'll give it to you. <laughs> so I found that funny. It's a running joke with us. Do you take Glock? Yes, I take Glock. <laughs> I don't mean trading. I mean, like, gun in the face, give it, give me your car, run away, bye-bye. That's what we mean by taking Glock, and I think I just made a new euphemism on the survival podcast. All right, man. Uh, the carry more with you. Follow my previously mentioned tips for carrying more gasoline with you. For diesel, the same, it's the same, only significantly safer and easier to handle. I'll just throw out real quick. I actually really like the toolboxes that are actually a toolbox and a extra storage tank for fuel, especially yep. with diesel trucks. Uh, and that makes some of the other stuff we talked about a little bit more feasible because generally those are set up to where you can plumb, you know, basically run them straight in so that you can basically flip a switch and they're dumping fuel in. But a lot of times they can be used to pump fuel into other things. So that actually makes this huge supply of fuel easily available without sticking a siphon hose in your tank or something like that. I know what Jack really likes. Jack really likes the toolbox that is also a diesel fuel tank that has a Harris battery bank in it. A little more challenging because you don't get as much space to work with, but I, I almost went that way with my truck. I ended up going with a standard uh, deep box because it just worked better. But, yeah, it's, it's something that I definitely considered, and I think if you could make it work, then, yeah, that's the way to go. And every time you do a video like 
powers out of my house. Big thunderstorm. Yeah. I just love it. You got your diesel truck idling outside of your house. Unless I think the your... powers is going to be out for more than a couple hours, I'm not dragging my Troy built out. Sometimes I do it just for the hell of it because it, you know it needs to run once in a while and it's a good ops test. But um, usually when the power's out, it's raining. And it's wet, and I don't want to go out there any longer than I have to. So, yeah, I use the truck. <laughs> <laughs> I love the it. rain stops. The rain stops. The power's still out. Out comes the Troy Bill. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, people are probably going. Steve, what about kerosene? Well, for transportation, technically, you can run gasoline engine on kerosene vapors from heating it, but this hasn't been done since World War II, so you're not going to run on your vehicle on kerosene. For cooking, the previously mentioned MSR and Optimax still run on kerosene just fine. In fact, there's little generator tubes for some of the bottle-type Coleman stoves that run on kerosene. They run fine. You can buy kerosene stoves from AliExpress, eBay, and Amazon. Uh, there's excellent ones. They're made in China, made in India. Funny thing about India is every time I buy something from India, it's like, oh, I don't want to buy from India. It shows up in a week. <laughs> FedEx drops it off. Literally, I'm tracking. It goes, it's in Busel's Garden, Germany. It's like, huh, well, it'll be a while before it gets here. Next day, it's on my doorstep. The Indians are really getting aggressive. You know, they're trying to beat the Chinese at selling stuff by getting it to you in a week instead of a month. Anyways, I digress. Uh, there's excellent kerosene stoves available from both uh, countries. Uh, there's also the African-style, what's called a mop-wick kerosene stove that is very good. They're called 12-wick and 15-wick stoves. They're usually green in color. In America, the alpaca, which I've had since the 90s, and it's still sold, A-L-P-A-C-A, uh, Amazon and Lehman's Hardware. If you don't know who what Lehman's Hardware is, go Google Lehman's Hardware. Uh, sorry, I just cost you another two hours of your life looking at stuff at Lehman's Hardware. You know who Lehman's is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Lehman's is the number one. Uh, the, the alpaca is the number one type of round wick kerosene stove in the USA, and it works great as an 8,000 BTU heater as well. Uh, Lehman sells all this stuff in kerosene stoves to the Amish and us preparedness people. Just love them. And shop with them as well. For lighting, kerosene. Good old kerosene. Kerosene lantern with a wick in it. You can even get it at Walmart for six bucks. All metal, but cheap metal, but still works. You can get the ones in the glass in the home areas of most stores and online. Now, DEET, D-I-E-T-Z, is the number one go-to brand of lanterns, kerosene lanterns, period. Uh, I suggest you get them from Lehman's. Because a good friend of mine got it. Actually, it was the guy who told me the Glock story. Uh, he got his Deets on Amazon. It was a con job. It said Deets. It was from Deets and everything. And it was some cheap piece of Indian junk that uh, came in that didn't say Deets on it. So read the feedback uh, of wherever you're buying your Deets lantern because the people who got screwed over are flaming them in the in the uh, in the feedback. You'll see pictures of it and everything that it's fake, 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 fake. I even told Amazon about it, but anyways, the Deets will never let you down. Make sure you get a good 10 feet of spare wick to go with it. You need 10 to 20 feet of wick for a lantern per year of operation. That's the rule of thumb. 10 feet as a rule, 20 feet if you're going to be two is one, one is none, you don't want to run out. Now, Coleman has an 
excellent one-mantle kerosene pressure lantern. You pump it up. It's bright as hell. Petromax and Bright Light also run on kerosene just perfectly. Now, all kerosene pressure lanterns, the ones you pump up with a mantle, uh, have to be preheated with alcohol before you use them. It's just the way they work. Also, you have to get it at... Um, at Lehman's, it's about the only place that sells them reliably, but there are some on Amazon. The Aladdin, like the Aladdin the Genie uh, brand kerosene lamps are non-pressure, but they have a mantle, and they're fantastic. The chimney might not travel too well in a bug-out trailer, but keep it in a box that came in, it should be fine. They're as bright as a 60-watt light bulb, and they run on kerosene. I own three of them. They're really magical. Have you seen the Aladdins, Jack? You got yeah, one? I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Do you, are they Spearco approved? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, Absolutely. I just I just love the Aladdins, especially for home preparedness. It's 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 the way to go. Uh, for heating, Jack, you got a favorite kerosene heater on Amazon. What brand is it? I couldn't tell you the brand off the top of my head. I could tell you here really quick though. <laughs> Well, we'll tell you what, let's put it in the show notes, because you've had it as a T-SPAD yeah, item it, it, of, here's of the a, day. Here's the big thing. It's a Dur DuraHeat is the one that I recommend right now. Um, I, don't, I don't have brand loyalty when it comes to kerosene heaters. I have featured loyalty. So right. I want a well-reviewed heater. I want something that has tip-over protection, that has shut-off if there's uh, excessive levels of CO2. Uh, I recommend you keep a window cracked whenever you're running a kerosene heater. But I fell in love with kerosene heaters when I lost a job many, many years ago, and we had electric baseboard heating in Pennsylvania, and I lost the job in winter. Like, so your electricity bill will kill you in that scenario. And right. uh, we ran two kerosene heaters in our house, and we kept the whole house warm, ran the baseboard heaters only when we absolutely had to, and it is one of the most efficient methods of heat you can get. I'm sure you'll have some stuff to say on availability, I make a determination for, let's not say bug out, but, you know, backup heat in general on availability in your area. So down here in Texas, we can get kerosene. It's a real pain in the ass. Where I lived in Pennsylvania, every other gas station had a kerosene pump. So yep. make your determinations that way. Yep, I'm going to cover that in a second. Um, also, your Wick-style kerosene stove can be used as a heater. Uh It doesn't have a cage around it to keep kids away, so be careful. But the Wix-style kerosene stoves work as a good heater. Now, to get more fuel on the, ro on the road, Menards always has different grades of kerosene, up to five gallons in jugs in the store, depending upon the season and the location. So does Home Depot, Lowe's, and Walmart. Sometimes it's the expensive K1 super refined kerosene, but <coughs> excuse me, for lighting, this should be just this is the best. It's expensive for heating, but there's one thing more expensive than uh, expensive kerosene that's no kerosene. If you're cold, it's cold and you need it. If you use Google Maps and you search for kerosene gas station, uh, three words, it will generally be reliable in showing you what gas stations have kerosene. It's like a 50-50 mix of ones without kerosene and ones with. You just have to call them. It's like, you got kerosene? Yeah, we got kerosene. I'll be there in a minute. And it'll work. In the Midwest and colder areas, you're going to find this available. Uh, it's going to be between $350 a gallon to $550 a gallon for kerosene. 
This works for heating, cooking, and illumination to carry more with you. Kerosene stoves, uh, it carries like diesel fuel, very easy to store, store and carry. You're going to want HDPE plastic containers, just like you do with gas and diesel. You'll be wanting to carry enough with you rather than hunt for more when you run out. So keep that in mind, especially Jack in Texas. He's going to carry enough kerosene with him that he doesn't have to try to find more. If he does find more, he's going to top off. Yeah, I mean, there's just like on that, that's why I don't use it here. There are four gas stations I know of I can get it at. Yep. And, you know, you can say you can buy it in stores and stuff. I guess it depends on where you are, but if you want to buy the most expensive form of kerosene you can, that's what you do here. You know, you can buy a little one-gallon thing of it for, like, 12 bucks. It's it's ridiculous. Right. You know what? It might be your number two or number three backup source of illumination because yep. it's it's got no moving parts. A gallon will, will run you a very long time in a kerosene and a Dietz lantern. So in practicality, I'm going to cover in the end, I'll say which ones are number one and number two fuels. But um, yeah, for simplicity, it's going to be, I mean, you're going to have uh, two is one, one is none, three is for me, four is even more. And one of those might be a $6 or a Dietz uh, kerosene lantern with a $12 gallon can of purified kerosene. It, 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 it's going to be your, one of your last-ditch things you go to before you go to a candle. Um, I have kerosene that's over 20 years old. And it's perfectly clear. Kerosene oxidizes, turns a faint yellow, then a straw yellow, then a piss yellow. It still works when it's yellow. It just stinks and smokes more. Mine is water clear after 20 years, and I plan on doing an epic long video on Harris1234.com membership area called, well, it's kind of code. I'm not sure if this is going to be the name, but the code name, like BFR, is uh, How Long Shit Lasts. And uh, I got tons of stuff that I personally own still in my house that I bought in the 1990s and early 2000s, and I'm going to show you how long stuff stores for, what it looks like when it goes bad, how to tell when it's good. Yes, I got 20-year-old batteries. I have food. I got fuels. I got matches that have been sitting on top of the refrigerator for 20 years. You name it, I'm going to cover it coming soon. This is not theory or what they say. It's what I've done, what I've stored. No theory. This is what I've done and accomplished, so look forward for that. Now, any uh, of the more interesting fuels and the lesser used is butane. Now, there are no more places do, to get do, butane. Do you, know, do you know where this is from? No, what? no. My daddy says butane is a bastard gas. <laughs> you know where that's from? No. King of the Hill. Oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, the that. old man sells propane and propane accessories, right? And, uh, yeah, there's some – I don't remember the context of the episode, but his, his his buddy Joseph's like, I got a butane lighter. He's like, no, my daddy says butane is a bastard gas. <laughs> <laughs> my dad says butane's a bastard gas. <laughs> You used to be able to run farm trucks on butane in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but mm. that was in Texas, and that's no more, so forget it. For cooking, I've done extensive work with butane devices, and that includes cooking stoves. There is no smaller stove on the market than a butane stove, especially if you just want to heat up a cup of water in a metal cup 
There are also small tabletop butane stoves, even available at Walmart, to take the spray paint can style of butane rather than the round butane cylinders like that you get for camping. If you want to go ultra small and ultra light, then butane stove is the way to go. I even have a titanium one that weighs 25 grams, costs $14, I got it from AliExpress. It is awesome. Now, here's the cool thing about butane. For illumination, like I said, I don't like double lantern mantles. Uh, double, sorry, <laughs> double mantle lanterns. God. Uh, maybe Harris shouldn't drink before he goes on the yeah, show. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just just hey. kidding. There is. <laughs> I didn't drink, and I live in a state that sells medical marijuana, and no, I didn't have any marijuana before the show. <laughs> Uh, in fact, I never smoked marijuana. But there are no smaller, better, more convenient, cost-effective mantle lanterns in the world than butane mantle lanterns. I don't like double mantle lanterns. They're too bright. You got two points of failure. I like small, single mantle lanterns that I can turn down low enough just to light up a table or high enough to light up a room. Butane lanterns fit this description to a T. I even have a butane lantern that is uh, tall and thin, and it's got it's got a tall, thin candle flame in it. No mantle. It's burning butane like a candle. And it's really pretty awesome. It's in a little glass tube. It's as keep it simple as it does, as it gets. And it's only like 12 bucks. It's really awesome. Uh, butane does have more energy per unit of volume than propane does by about a third more. But butane is three to four times more expensive than propane, but it's lighter, especially since it's got a lower pressure bottle. So it's got lighter, thinner metal. Uh, butane f- is for the size, weight, and convenience. That's why you, you buy butane devices. Uh, its only good use is for cooking, lighting, and cigarette lighters. So I do have some exceptional ways to get butane cheap anywhere in the USA. I can actually refill any butane container with butane from another container or a cheaper container. And I have the ability to run but get this, Jack. I can run butane lanterns and stoves off of propane bottles. Awesome. And I can actually actually run propane devices off of butane bottles, which is incredibly economical to run a butane device off of a propane bottle. Plus, it's two is one, one is none. I have butane devices and adapters. You did not even know that existed because of my specialized consulting I do with military. All of these will be a subject of an upcoming video to the aforementioned Harris1234.com website membership area, which is now open. Hint, hint, hint. Uh, I've not plugged anything in ages, so excuse me. I'm being shameless plugging on this one. (laughs) Now, for heating, other than using a stove or a lantern for micro or personal heat, there are no heating applications for butane. If you put on a warm poncho, and this is from my buddy Dave, uh, you put on a warm poncho and it's cold outside and you sit down on something like a short stool or a, uh, a log uh, on end, 
So the poncho is like near – you've probably seen this in the military, Jack. So the poncho is near the ground. You know mm-hmm. the ponchos I'm talking about. And you put a small butane lantern on low in the space below you between your legs and the poncho. It'll keep you quite warm. And famously, this is done with Yuko, Yuko candles, you know, the famous nine-hour camping candle. Yep, it works. This is actual real-life experience from my friend Dave, who's been stuck in many a cold location too often. And as I tell you, you don't heat the house to heat the room to heat the person. You heat the person. I, I mean, What have you done to keep warm in the middle? Well, you were in Panama. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was in Panama eventually. Um, we did our field training in the Carolinas in winter. And one of the ways that we stayed warm uh, that was also a security measure is we would have, you know, all our foxholes set up. And then this is not really a bug-out trailer thing, but it does work. Uh, we would dig a hole about like a shallow grave and then put a, uh, a liner down in that hole, uh, like a mattress, mattress liner, a, a foam pad, keep you off the ground, and then a, a sleeping bag. And then we would take shelter halves or tarps or poncho or whatever over the top of that hole and then cover it. Obviously, that's more for camouflage things, but leaves and stuff like that. And there's one little hole you could slip in and out of. And I'm going to tell you, there were some nights when it was like below 20 degrees. And when you went in that hole, it was not really warm. Once you were in that hole for 15 minutes, you were very warm. And when your two hours was up and your buddy came to get you to take his place, the last thing you wanted was to come out of that hole. So there are always ways to stay warm. But you're right. Um, I, I, I got choice of duty once I got through through basic AIT and airborne school and my little segue over to Middle East. Uh, and I wanted to go somewhere warm. So I would my choices of duty, and I basically got, you'll get one, pick two. It was Hawaii or Panama. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, I drew the, the silver instead of the gold chip there, but I, I'm pretty happy about that being where I did most of my time. <laughs> Have you seen the candle poncho trick or something else underneath the poncho to keep you warm? We used to do that, like sitting on deer stands and stuff. So, I mean, that goes back to being a country boy. You know, that's and it doesn't have to be necessarily a poncho. It could be a big, long hunting coat, but it definitely works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to get more uh, butane on the on the road, you're going to have to go to Walmart, REI, or Field uh, Dixon Field and Stream. And uh, I'm part of the boycott on Dixon Field and Stream because they decide what guns I should buy and I shouldn't. But Cabela's, Bass Pro Shops, or hold on, hold on. Else. Field and Stream has a store. Yeah, I knew Field- about Dicks. I didn't know Field and Stream had a storefront. Yeah, they do. The very, very nice storefront, very good store. It's like a light Cabela's, uh-huh. and they're they're owned by Dicks. I wish I could say I was boycotting them, but if I don't use them, I can't boycott them. <laughs> right. I am hey. boycotting Dicks. I, I did used to do some business with Dicks. I will never do business with them again. Yeah, me too. And uh, yeah, it, it's hurting them. It's actually they've reported it's been affecting them. So yeah. say you don't be a dick. So. Crazy. You know, if your entire base of customers is sportsmen and outdoorsmen, there's probably a significant group within there that thinks the AR-15 is a fine rifle. And if you say that you're going to not sell it because it's a death machine, those people just might, like, stop buying from your overpriced ass in the first place. Like, because that was my thing with Dick's, like, yeah, you know, I don't want to drive down the road further, and I know I'm going to pay five bucks more, but they're here, and the other place is down there, and this is just more convenient right now. That's, like, the only time I shopped them anyway. 
Well, mm -hmm. once you do that, like, okay, no, I'm not paying more to give money to people that don't respect what I do. <laughs> yep, exactly. Now, um, if you wish you had those adapters I talked about, uh, I will be having a video coming out on the Harris1234 site with all of the adapters and where to get them. They're at Amazon, eBay, and AliExpress. eBay and AliExpress are the more economical right now, but you got to wait a month for them to come. Do carry more butane with you. Just buy the canisters and carry more. It'll store forever in the canisters and very, very, very safe like propane. Have you used much butane, Jack? Not really. I mean, to me, one of the things that really excels at is like the lightweight backpacking stuff and all because it can be so light. Um, since I don't do a lot of that anymore, I am more inclined to use things that I have around my house for everyday use. Yeah. Yeah, but since uh, I can show you how to like refill the butane, I, the little cylinders are really expensive, but they're convenient. Yeah. But I can I can refill them off of the cheap canisters now. That's really and, cool. Yeah, so it's like I can use the little one all I want. If you want to go for a day hike or something, it's perfect. It's lightweight, small. In fact, it's 110 grams. And uh, the little stove, it just works great. But they were expensive, but it's like now I can buy the big cheap one and refill it. It's like great. In fact, I get I get butane off of Amazon, $2 a bottle for a half pound. It's really awesome. Now, the other fuel, you, you guys, there's something about this you guys are just going to absolutely love, okay? Alcohol. Hmm. For, for transportation, Unless you're running a, a racing vehicle, you're not running E98 for a fuel. Unless you got a GM flex fuel vehicle, you're not running an E85. And you can't really use those for heating, cooking, and illumination anyways. So the types of alcohol we're going to talk about is either going to be ethanol alcohol or denatured alcohol, such as marine fuel or alcohol fuel. You get it by the gallon or the quart at Home Depot, Lowe's, or any hardware store. Please do not use heat, H-E-E-T, from the automotive store as a fuel. It's way too expensive, and you're getting nothing that you don't get by buying a gallon of denatured alcohol, ethanol, for $14 a gallon in a metal can at Home Depot. Now, you're going, $14 a gallon? Well, the thing is, the stove only costs less than 10 bucks, hmm. and it's got, no, it's got no, no moving parts. So that's the advantage of alcohol, and the stores forever. For cooking, there is no more simple of a stove than an alcohol-fueled stove. They're plentiful and everywhere. Uh, they're all over eBay, all over Amazon, all over AliExpress. Go to YouTube and type in alcohol penny stove, and you'll find many hundreds of videos on how to make an alcohol stove from a soda can and a penny and a, uh, a thumbtack. It, it, I just can't emphasize enough. If you know, in my, I was had a bug out bag. Um, I would either be running butane or alcohol in it, and probably alcohol because it's even cheaper and lighter, especially if you're on a budget, alcohol. Let me, let me say this. If you are a parent and you have kids and you haven't sat down with your kids on a weekend and made a aluminum can into a penny stove, you need to do that. Oh, it's fun. You, you it's... have to do it. it, it it's, mm -hmm. it's imperative. I, I, I ask you, please, to teach your child the science and the preparedness behind this very simple thing that anybody can do. If you can't do this, if you can't pull it off, then I don't think I can help you with anything else because this is not hard, and it is really cool. 
Yeah, in fact, I have a special uh, Harris alcohol stove I'm making on a video that's going to be on the membership site. It's so keep it simple. It's even simpler than a penny stove. But, uh, yeah, I agree with Jack. Go make a penny stove with your kids. They will think it's magical. Kids like anything with fire, but especially the pretty blue flames of alcohol uh, coming off. It's something they will remember. They will remember making a penny stove with you for the rest of their life. Uh, so the, it will be 60. It's like, I remember making one of those with my father. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, alcohol stoves do require windscreens because they are sensitive to the wind, but you can make one out of aluminum foil or the bottom of an aluminum foil pan from the dollar store. Uh, inside a bug-out trailer, the alcohol stove will work just fine. Now, while you can, you're really not going to simmer on an alcohol stove. There are adjustments for them and everything, but it's more like you light it, you boil water, you add food or something to the water, and you mix it up and you eat it or drink it. Is that about right for alcohol stoves, Jack? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to slow cook a prime rib or something with one. No, no, you're yeah, not. It's, it's, it is what it is. I think one of the real things, too, is you, you, you may really need to think about fabric, if you're going to build your own, fabricate some kind of a windscreen because wind just kills them. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, that's... Uh, aluminum foil, and a lot of people take uh, go to the dollar store and they get like a 9 by 12 aluminum uh, disposable cooking pan. And they take a pair of scissors and they cut out the bottom of the aluminum pan and they fold that in half and they use that as a windscreen. Gotcha. That's a great lightweight, cheap windscreen. I mean, the, the ultra lightweight backpackers, the insane people that go out on less than five pounds or less than 10 pound packs, that's what they all use. They use a, a, a cat food can alcohol stove and a, a windscreen from the, that aluminum. So the butane and alcohol are the two best stoves, along with an espit, uh, for bug-out bag people, and they also apply to the bug-out trailer if space, weight, cost, and simplicity are important. You might not have a lot of space in your bug-out trailer. You might be bugging out in your car, and this can help you. While you would not store gasoline in a soda pop bottle, you can store ethanol or alcohol in one, just label it, do not drink poison, because denatured means denatured, you can't drink it. Now, I'm going to give you an inside secret from my consulting I do. For military black ops type of purposes, Everclear, and if, you should know what Everclear is. It's 190 proof, 95% grain alcohol that you drink. And it makes a great what we call function stacking tool. That means one thing can do more than one thing very well. It's got like five functions to it. So it's not two is one, one is none. It's one thing can do five things. I don't mean a damn multi-tool. I mean it, it does everything great that in its function. So one of the things you can do with Everclear is you can use it in your alcohol stove as a fuel. That's number one. Number two, you can buy it almost anywhere in the world by some name. So it's available anywhere in the world, which is great. A little expensive, but you know, one thing more expensive than alcohol, ethanol, uh, Everclear, is no fuel. Well, and before you say it's expensive, just quantify that. Yeah, compared to denatured cans of by the gallon in Home Depot, yes, but they do pretty much one thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. A half gallon, they're not quite a half gallon, it's like 0.49 gallons is a 175 liter bottle. It's $31 at the, the, the liquor store down the road here. I, total wine, I just pulled it up online. So it's four times as expensive, but it does five times as much. Yeah, yeah, I get right. this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so one, you can it's an alcohol fuel. Two, you can get it almost anywhere in the world. Three, you can use it to disinfect wounds, skin, clean your hands or sterilize medical instruments if you're going to have to fix yourself, okay? That was the number one go-to thing in the past before we had more fancier antiseptics. Denatured uh, alcohol, not denatured. Regular grain alcohol was the uh, disinfectant of choice. In fact, if you watch something like Mister Roberts, the famous movie, um, the uh, the ship's doctor is always supplying grain alcohol for ships' gatherings and everything because that's what it was used for. Well, four. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Four. You can drink it for intoxication for the purposes of pain management. If someone had a shattered bone, can't walk, and it's a long and complicated exfiltration, and you guys have to carry the poor guy or support him over, you know, uh, on your shoulders uh, for hours or days, then it becomes in handy. Same with dental pain. You can kill the bacteria causing some of your dental pain if that's the source of the pain. You can numb the gums if you're having a gum issue, and it can be used again as an intoxicant as an intoxicant for pain management. So there's four major things you can use Everclear for if you're in the field. But wait, there's more. Um, what? So another thing, going back to kind of the medicinal use, if you know your way around herbs, you can use it to make herbal tinctures, which can be yes. a very valuable thing to have in the field. But wait, there's more. The most common currency on planet Earth is 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 guns, cigarettes, and booze. Why do you yep. think the because the ATF ATF makes no sense until you think about it that way? If civilization mm-hmm. collapses. Those things will be currency, and they are currency everywhere in the world under the right circumstances. So I have a very good friend of mine that has done a lot of kind of, you know, disaster response work in South Louisiana, South Texas, et cetera, and they would go in under government contract, and they would give them lots of money but not stuff. And one mm-hmm. of the things they would realize is they could get a lot of stuff there, even though there was a disaster that they couldn't carry with them, So, like, they would take one of their little trailers, and they would go by liquor stores, and they would literally load it with, like, Totka vodka, like the cheapest vodka you could get, and, like, Natty Light, the cheapest beer you could get. And you could go down to a place, and you could procure resources because the guy would be like, well, I can't really give it up for money. So he wouldn't give it to you for 20 bucks, but you gave him a $12 pack of Natty Light. He, Oh, yeah, you can have it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they would actually build out a lot of their response team with local resources that they could put together bartering alcohol. Because <laughs> they could spend the money they were given on anything they wanted. And so now you have a barter tool as well. And how do you make, Steve, how do I make Everclear into an 80-proof vodka? 
uh, actually, when you see, uh, like, Grey Go- <laughs> right, when you, when you, when you say see Grey Goose triple distilled, yeah. what it means is it was distilled three times and it was distilled up to like 180 proof, which is often, often called white dog in the, in the industry. And then they add distilled water to it to bring it back down to 80 to sell it to you. And that's why triple distilled vodka tastes so good. But yeah, you can take Everclear, mix it 50-50 with water, have 100 proof alcohol, and I got it in um, – it's a good thing, especially if you're like in a shelter, yeah. like a, a, um, a, a, a Red Cross shelter and you're in a bunch of cots with a bunch of people and you're all getting together at night. I tell you what, you got some uh, fruit punch powder and some water <laughs> and some vodka, some Everclear. And you go, hey, you guys all want a drink because, I mean, you're all stressed out. You're away from home. You're a noisy place. You want to make friends with a bunch of people. You're all nervous and in a strange environment. Hey, a little, a little thing like sharing a drink with six people from your Everclear uh, in uh, fruit punch that you made up with water from the drinking fountain in paper cups, that will go a long way to making friends. And when you're in a, a disaster area, let me tell you, making friends – and other people that will help you and be with you and everything else, that's probably one of the most powerful things you can have for security and backup is friends. And alcohol makes friends, right, Jack? Absolutely. And so the last one I would say, actually two, uh, number next one would be that it, 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 with limited consumption, when some people are freaked out, it shuts them up. And yep. when they shut up, you can think. So there's that. And then lastly, and this is a long shot, but you never know. Like, I carry a gun because it, I could need it. It's a long shot, but I could. If you're in one of these scenarios and you come across somebody who's an alcoholic in the middle of the DTs, I do mm-hmm. not inv- advise you to hand him a bottle of Everclear. I think that would be a terrible idea. But until you get him medical treatment, alcohol will save his life. Yes, it will. Right? And, and so that is kind of the last ditch, like... You know, because everybody makes the joke, it's for medicinal purposes. It really is. If um, I heard a scientist one time say that if, if ethyl alcohol was invented tomorrow, it would be considered the biggest medical breakthrough in history. So mm-hmm. there is that. Anyway, please continue. Uh, we got um, we got exposed to alcoholism when I went through the abbreviated academy for the sheriff reserve. And they educated us on it. More people die of alcohol withdrawal and alcohol poisoning in the United States than die of heroin and all other drugs combined. Absolutely. Alcohol, alcohol when, when abused, uh, and it is a medical situation, uh, it kills. It, it, it absolutely kills. So if anyone out there has an alcohol issue, if you think you have an alcohol issue, I advise you to do th- two things. Go see your doctor. He can help detox you in the home or in the hospital. He will help you. He won't judge you. And uh, go to your local uh, alcohol anonymous meeting. You will never meet better people, have more friends than if you go to AA. And we had lots of AA people come to and teach us in and out of when I was doing sheriff stuff. Uh, and they, they told us all the inside stuff. You, you will be welcomed as a friend the second you walk in. So don't be ashamed. Uh, if you have an alcohol issue, go do it. That's my public service announcement. All right. 
So uh, alcohol for lighting. Uh, there's only three main ways to use alcohol as illumination, and but you didn't know any of these. One is to mix it with another chemical that will make it burn yellow instead of light blue, but that chemical is more volatile than the alcohol is, so I'm not going to mention it here. It's for geeky people like me, not something for me to publicly announce. Two, you can use it in the aforementioned Aladdin Mantle Kerosene Lantern. Yes, you can put alcohol in an Aladdin Mantle Kerosene Lantern. You can't put it in a regular kerosene lantern, but the mantle one you can because the alcohol burns, and it's the heat of the burning of the fuel that excites the mantle and makes it glow. Uh, you can't use alcohol, like I said, a regular uh, kerosene lantern, only Aladdin. There have been pressure lanterns made in the distant past, like 1910, that run on alcohol. And Bright Light, who bought Petromax, is stating they're coming out with a lantern that runs off of alcohol, but it's not on the market as of now in 2019. I, Stephen Harris, have been able to personally modify a regular Coleman pressure lantern that runs on Coleman fuel to run off of alcohol with no vapor, no smell in the house, but that is a subject of an instructional video I'm bringing out on the membership site. So, But literally, there's no documentation on the web on this. There's one guy I met who knew how to do it, but he wouldn't told me, so I said, screw him. I went out and I reverse engineered it. <laughs> you know, it's just fundamentals of combustion, and uh, once you figure it out, it works really well. For heating, alcohol can be a difficult issue for heating. If you think it's, you think alcohol is burning clean, but with my professional CO detector, it produces more CO than any other fuel I've ever used inside of a house. Unless I was something, using something like the Dometic Origo, O-R-I-G-O, Heat Pal, which is a non-pressurized alcohol stove and heater, we got a link in the show notes, which does maintain a proper fuel-to-air ratio for burning alcohol, I would not use alcohol for heat because it will probably CO you. The, the word in the prep field is, oh, it's clean, you can put it in a coffee can and burn it. No, you can't. Okay, It really produces a lot of CO. But the Origo does do it well. Bob Wells of Cheap RV Living likes the Origo and the alcohol fuel. He's reviewed it. Uh, it's 180 bucks to 150 bucks. Links in the show notes. And uh, again, it's an expensive heater, but all you need to do is buy the fuel. No pumping, no pressurizing, no moving parts, and the fuel can store forever. So if you're more of a desert traveler and it's going to get down to 32 that night, you can use the Origo in your RV to keep it warm. It's not something financially you're going to do in Minnesota, but it would be something you would financially use in the uh, the desert because it's just so keep it simple, stupid, and easy to use. Uh, to get more alcohol fuel on the road, stop by any store with a pharmacy like Walmart, Walgreens, Rite Aid. Get 91%, not 70%, isopropyl alcohol. Stop by any Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, or hardware store on the planet uh, to, in the paint thinner aisle to get denatured alcohol, also called marine fuel. Last ditch, get heat fuel treatment in an auto parts store, but that's really expensive. To carry more with you, just carry it. Uh, like I said, you can fill a soda bottle with it. You can use a gasoline can to carry it, of course. 
Uh, you can use many different size containers. Just label it poison. It's called denatured because you can't drink it. Uh, it will literally make you go blind or dead or horribly sick, and I am not joking. Jack, any words on alcohol? I mean, the big thing you kind of hit there at the end, this is why I think that at least from a standpoint of, of, of stoves, it's something that everybody should have because you can get this fuel anywhere. When, mm -hmm. when you can't buy a case of bottled water because it's all gone, I guarantee you, because so, so few people even think of the need, you're going to be able to walk into a Walgreens, go back into the aisle where they keep the peroxide alcohol and everything, and buy bottles of, of, of isopropyl alcohol. You'll be able to go to Dollar Tree or Dollar General and buy this stuff for a dollar a bottle. It mm -hmm. is, is the most available fuel that you will ever find that you can cook with other than something we're going to talk about next. Uh, and it's better than that in many ways. <laughs> yes. In fact, if you were stuck with 70% isopropyl, it would still work. Works. It, it works. It still works. Yeah. It's not as good, but, but it works. They, they, you got it. It's not as good, but it works. it works. And when you got nothing, what works is good. Yep. For transportation, wood. Wood is our last fuel we're going to cover. Now, for transportation, <laughs> I cover all these subjects. I have to. Wood, transportation. What are you going to do, Steve? <laughs> Unless you're going to make yourself an on-demand gasifier for a specially modified pickup truck and fill half the bed of the pickup truck with the gasifier and the other half with wood, you're not going to drive on wood. You can, okay? There it's are been done. trucks. <laughs> it's been done. It's documented. It was done during World War II around the world. You can run. You can drive on wood gas. You get about one mile per pound of dry wood. So. For cooking, cooking with wood is obvious. Start a fire, put a grill over it. Uh, I do suggest a rocket stove to save on fuel, and I'll give a plug for my buddies at Silverfire, S-I-L-V-E-R-F-I-R-E dot U-S. They probably make the finest rocket stove on the face of the planet. It's run by a guy who is an ex-Navy SEAL and is one of the smartest SOBs I have ever met and also one of the nicest people. Uh, there is possibly to deal with. So check out silverfire.us. No, I don't get anything for saying that for them. I just, they're just a great people, great company. For light, you're not going to use wood for light unless it's campfire. There are some gasification examples to illuminate, but that's beyond the scope of this conversation. When do I hardly ever say that? <laughs> for heat, heating with wood, it's obvious you have a choice of a campfire outside or a wood stove and a bug out trailer. Uh, to get more fuel on the road, uh, it sucks if you're in the desert, but in many places you can just get out your chainsaw and axe and you got more fuel, harvest off the land to carry more with you. <laughs> Wood is not energy dense. It's about 8,000 BTUs per pound for dry hardwood, whereas gasoline and kerosene and diesel are going to be around 18,500 BTUs per pound, so over double the energy. On a serious note, a tent wood stove and a bug out trailer, which is like 110 bucks, with a pellet basket. That's a basket that you put into a wood stove and fill with pellets. It's not a pellet stove. It's a basket of pellets that goes in a wood stove. It would make a great portable heat source, one that you could, and you could still harvest wood from the forest, but you could have wood stored in your trailer that bugs and critters and everything couldn't get into and it's sealed in a plastic bag and it's four bucks for 40 pounds and it's a good stove a good choice 
uh, Gear Guide uh, Tent Stove on Amazon for 119 or um, oh, the name of the website uh, is on the tip of my tongue. Sportsman's the Gear Guide. Guide. Sportsman's Guide. Sportsman's That's Guide. it. Sport, yep. Sportsman's Guide is, is the place to, to get it. Now, just to tease you and make you jealous and curse at me, not that you need an excuse to curse at Steve Harris, I have a Military Hunter H45 Arctic tent stove. I bet Jack has seen these. It runs on wood, coal, diesel fuel, gasoline, kerosene, JP8, JP4, Jet A, Avgas, and alcohol, probably even used motor oil and used cooking oil, but they're rare, expensive, hard to find. I got mine complete with everything, which is very rare, on Facebook Marketplace for 140 bucks. never used, valued at well over $1,200. In fact, that brings me to the end of the fuels, but to another little subject. I've been posting on the TSP Facebook forum and other places on Facebook. I've been giving you photos and details about my hunting on Facebook Marketplace and uh, Craigslist. I've been showing you how I've been getting Coleman stoves that work fine for like 10 bucks and lanterns and heaters and barbecue tank propane bottles and uh, everything, and I got a perfectly working Coleman Lantern uh, stove for 10 bucks, two miles from my house. It's like, good God, how can you go wrong? Some of the stuff's what I call, it's for neighbors. It's also good for trading. Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and other places like LetGo are great places to pick up items for preparedness on a budget. I got my 15-gallon fuel drums for 12 bucks each, and the funny thing is the 55-gallon drums I got for a special application, which are plastic, were only 8 bucks. I get 5-gallon fuel containers, not gas cans, but better, okay, 5-gallon plastic fuel containers that actually have the flammable sticker on them, $2 for 5 gallons each. And uh, they even got a place for a spigot on them. It, it's great. So in summary, uh, actually, I have a video coming out about how to get that stuff off of Facebook. It's going to be in the membership area. Um, in summary, I think Jack's going to love this and agree with me. Well, let's, before in you su- go there, let's, let's hold on. I want to back up to Wood real quick. Go ahead. Um, we kind of skipped over cooking there and said it's obvious. Um, I actually think wood is a fantastic way to deal with cooking while you're away from home, whether it's camping, bugging out, whatever, if you have the space to do a campfire. I think it's one of the great morale boosters in that situation. I think it actually helps bring other people in who you might want around. We've talked about teaming up with people in the past. It's definitely a security issue. Absolutely. When it comes to cooking on it, it's something that if you've never done it, you're probably going to burn the shit out of everything. (laughs) Um, you don't need to carry wood, you don't need to carry stoves, but you do need to carry an oven. And by oven, I mean a Dutch oven. They are heavy, uh, but they are the best single tool if you're going to rely on cooking and campfires. If you have an oven and a tripod, which you you should be able to figure out how to fabricate, uh, and that, that tripod may be for hanging things other than the oven, and the oven may go directly in the coals and stuff, and you do a little bit of experimenting in your backyard... You tell me what you want, and with that, I can make it. I can make you a gourmet meal with a tripod, a chain, a few little tools, and a Dutch oven. 
Um, I can make you bread with that. I can make you a slow-cooked meal with that. I, and so if you take a lot of normal cookware and put it into searing hot coals, uh, even a base of coals you pull off, you're either going to destroy the cookware or you're not going to be able to cook with it because it's going to get too hot. It's not going to distribute the heat. A carbon steel skillet, like I recommend from, from Lodge, a good Dutch oven, and a tripod. If you're going to rely on wood and that type of scenario, that's what you need to start with and spend some time, build a fire pit in your backyard or whatever, and learn to use it. And it will greatly enhance your life, and if you ever need to know how to use those skills, you'll have them. Anyway, now I, you can move on from I there. Could, I couldn't agree more. In fact, if you go on YouTube and search for brand made TV, B-R-A-N-D-M-A-D-E TV, and put Lodge in, you'll find how the Lodge skillets and stuff are made. It's kind of like how it's made, only by different people. They've been making them the same way for like 140 years. And if I was going to add one more to my setup, they make, and I, I put a link in the show notes of one that I recommend, the fold-up portable steel grills. So they, they fold really flat, but they're heavy-duty steel, You can throw a frying pan on top. You can cook directly on them. They fold up when you're done. Those things, and you can do just about anything you'd ever want to do uh, with a campfire. Good. Let's do that. Do that. I think, I, in fact, I didn't know about that. I'm going to go grab, I'm going to go to the link and look at it and go grab yeah. one myself. All right, man. So in summary, we're almost done. Uh, my summary is propane and gasoline. Uh, those are your two fuels of choice. Propane for the beautiful simplicity of it, and it's easy to use. Gasoline for its availability. Those are your two is one, one is none. So I'd have propane stove and lanterns, and I would have a Coleman dual fuel stove that you got off of Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. I have a Coleman dual fuel lantern. Uh, as well, that ran off of gasoline. That will give you plenty, plenty of backup. I just got a Coleman dual fuel lantern, almost brand new, in the case with a carry case for $30 off of Facebook Marketplace. And though that's normally like a $95 lantern. I just want to real quick on that. That's becoming better than eBay and Craigslist. Yes. It, it really is. It's, it, it's, it's, it's really caught on for finding shit and for selling shit. There's a lot of people building little businesses right off of that. Oh, a great side gig business. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But that's a whole other subject. Now, uh, in the summary, I would say go for go with butane for ultra light and small and go with alcohol for ultra, ultra cheap and small and simple. I know some of you guys are living paycheck to paycheck or don't know where your next paycheck is coming from, but you still want to prepare YouTube, penny can stove, a dollar forty nine bottle of isopropyl from Walmart, and you got yourself a cooking stove and a fun little mental project to do. And it will cost you, like I said, at most a dollar forty nine. Do make the penny can stove. Do it with a grandchild or a child, or just do it with yourself for fun. As uh, I've always say, all my stuff I do with Jack and have done with Jack is at Stephen One Two Three Four dot com. My membership site is now officially open. It's today's the day I open it and announce it. Still a little rough. I got to fill in some things. You might see some lorbimsium and filler text in places. It's not Stephen1234.com. It's Harris1234.com. It starts out at a buck sixty-six a month if you just want to support Steve Harris and get some free stuff. It's like Patreon, but without the hatred of the freedom of speech. 
Uh, I won't support Patreon. I won't patronize pa- Patreon. I'm trying to defund them, actually. And it's like, see how you guys like being defunded, you sons of bitches. <laughs> In case you don't know, Patreon yeah. is they, – they announced they're not a free speech platform and they've cens- censored people. And even though we don't agree with those people, if they're coming for them, they're coming for us next. Well, and, here's my thing. They have every right to censor their platform that they built any way they right. want to. And that's I right. have every right to not really be involved with it anymore. And I, I honestly – I have a very small Patreon account over there. I should just shut down. It makes yep. you a couple hundred bucks a month, but there's there's really no reason to be maintaining that at this point. Yeah, yeah, I know. Anyway, so that's why I'm doing my own membership site instead of a big YouTube and Patreon site. It's because I don't agree with our free speech being censored by other people. The main membership cost is nine ninety seven a month or ninety nine dollars a year, and you get all of my videos for free and all my future videos I'm making for free and all my rough cuts and everything I'm doing and behind the scenes for free and it's going to be you're going to be getting an email from me like once or twice a week saying, "Hey, new stuff up there, new stuff up there, new stuff up there." It's just going to be a constant drip of like everything going on in my life and preparedness that's going to be going up there. So uh, I hope you like it. Check it out. There's different levels you can support me at. Or if you hate me, you can ignore it, but that's fine. <laughs> well, Steve, look, this is a great show. We, we covered a lot of ground. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you credit, man. I didn't think we were going to get through this book in an hour and a half, but we have done that. And since we chatted before we started, we're actually under time by a little bit. Um, I definitely people th- pe- think people should get over and check out your new membership ha- uh, site which is harris1234.com. And I would like to give you kudos at this point of successfully branding 1234.com. You take, you take shit for it, but, <laughs> but it, it's a thing. And that's successful branding, man. Uh, I, Jack, I have 140 1234 sites. <laughs> I think you might have a problem. I, I'm not going to say it's always a good idea, but... <laughs> It's, it's kind of like, you know, you might have an addiction to the, the domain buying thing, but other than that, it, it's worked out well. <laughs> I have a problem, 1234.com. <laughs> Someone actually mentioned it on the Facebook posting uh, the other day, and uh, you commented. I didn't realize it was available, but I went and got Google1234.com. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, let's let's kind of summarize where we're at with today's thing, and and really it does come down to the last bit that we talked about, with you know really propane and gas. Yeah. I I think that here's what I've been teaching for years. I'm sure you've heard me say it before. I know the audience has, um, but standardize everywhere you can, and specialize where necessary. Mm-hmm. So. You probably have a – like I have a diesel truck, but I also have a gas vehicle, right? And almost everybody, yep. even if they have a diesel vehicle, they also have a gas vehicle. So mm-hmm. you are all – you've already made a decision to standardize on gasoline. Yep. And then propane, most people in this audience, I bet, own a grill that runs on propane. Yep. So you have those two things in your life already. They're available everywhere. Gas doesn't store as long. We can store plenty of gas, though. Uh, we won't go into it because I've given people my method for that many times, but it's yep. easy to, to build up 60 gallons of gas stored in your, your home. Harris approved. Jack's method is completely Harris approved and loved. You can't screw it up. That's the beauty of it. And mm-hmm. then propane, as we talked about, 
it's pretty much going to be propane until you burn it. It is right. not going to go bad. Yeah. So Never. build everything on that and then specialize into the ways that make sense for you. I will add to that in our discussion with alcohol stoves. I think everybody should have some method of using alcohol for heating, water, and cooking because it's too simple, it's too easy, and it's too cheap not to. And then you figure out what works for If you live in a place where you can go fill up a can of uh, kerosene anywhere you want for about the same price as diesel fuel, well, by God, I think a kerosene heater belongs in your life, even if it's not part of your bug-out plan, even if it's just supplemental heating. If you mm -hmm. don't, then you make a different decision. So standardize wherever you can, specialize where necessary. And again, Steve, thank you for all the work you've done over this series of putting these together. I don't know how many more of these things we have to go before we call it done, but it's certainly been one of the best things we've done here at TSP. I love it, Jack. I mean, it's I never thought it would take off like this, and everyone keeps on writing and saying they love the series, don't stop, don't stop. And uh, I love doing it. It's a great outlet for me. It's a great outlet for creativity and the work that I do, and I just love hearing the stories of people and what they're doing, and again, thank you for providing such a great platform for now over 10 years of, of preparedness for people and allowing people like myself and Pugliano and Doc Bones and uh, Sean Mills and everyone else to be... Um, and Nicole Sauce, and everyone to be a part of it. You've really enriched our lives by letting us trying to enrich other people via your method of communications. And it is most definitely for all of us who are on the expert council, it's a labor of love. Well, I appreciate your, your work with us. And, again, thanks for being with us today. Okay, Jack. See you guys later. As always, great conversation with Stephen Harris. I really hope you guys are enjoying this bug out Um trailer series and realizing how much of this, again, has nothing to do with the trailer. I mean, it all has to do with having a bug out plan and, and getting, you know, a trailer being a component of that. It all can be used that way. But what I mean by that is a lot of stuff we talked about today is just good old fashioned bug in planning as well. And, you know, Steve touched on function stacking. I believe that, that that's how everything should be looked at. You know, my first rule of modern survivalism is everything that we do should help us prepare for disaster and emergencies and make our life better, even if nothing goes wrong. There should be some value to it. And that's why, and I'll reiterate here, I've said on past episodes of this, if you are only building a bug-out trailer, in case there's a, a reason to bug out, you probably shouldn't. There's probably better ways to, to prepare for that eventuality. Building a bug-out trailer makes a lot of sense if you're going to use it for other things, like camping or traveling or what have you. And that is also important, and something we try to reiterate today a bunch for you guys. The stuff that's in your preparedness plan should be stuff that you routinely use. Now, I'm not going to say you have to use it every day, right? I mean, you just that doesn't make sense. But you should use it routinely enough that when you need to use it, you can repeat the usage of it under stress. We talked about that with something simple like campfire cooking. If you're planning on campfire cooking, then campfire cook in your backyard. It's fun anyway, and it'll make your life better even if nothing goes wrong. On that, you know... I have another way you can support the show in addition to becoming a member. That's just by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z.com, tspaz.com. And I got a product for you today that will make your life better uh, even when nothing goes wrong. In fact, I don't know how useful it would be to you in an emergency, uh, but it is the King Cooker 12-slot leg and wing grill rack. And I brought that around as my item of the day again. This thing's slick. It's a little chrome steel rack and it's designed so you can either hang chicken wings from it by their tips or you can hang drumsticks by the top knuckle 
and it does both great, but I've become a huge fan of drumsticks with this thing. As much as I like wings, when I do the math, drumsticks cost less, there's more meat on them, and they cook better over longer, slower heat because it's a dark meat versus a white meat. So I've been really, really making a lot of stuff with my King Cooker racks. Now, I have three of them because I have a huge grill, and I can fit three of them on my grill and still have you know indirect heat going. For a standard oven, pretty much one of them is going to fit in there. Now, I got some hacks for you today with using this tool. This thing's $10, bucks, all right? Actually, it's 11 bucks, and the limited edition, whatever the hell that is, is is is, is $10, bucks. But it's $16 for shipping, and the $11 one ships for free. And I can't tell hiding their hair from the two of them, so I don't know what's going on there. But $11 ships for free, not an expensive investment. One of the issues you can have with it, though, if you put this in your oven and you start cooking with it and your chicken starts rendering fat, well, it's going to drip down and start a fire, and that's not good. So what you do is take a shallow pan, like a throwaway aluminum pan works good for this, add a little water to it, And put, you can either put the stand directly in it, or you can set it on the lower rack below the top rack that you set your rack of, of, of chicken on. You can do that on the grill, too. Usually what I do with the grill is I just cook indirect heat with the grill, and it's just not a problem at all. That, and then I burn the fat off after I run that, that cook. But you can also set it in a pan or something like that on your grill and discard that fat or use it for cooking things because it's really chicken fat is great for cooking with. Uh, but this thing is just slick, and one of my favorite things to do with it now is jerk chicken. I've recommended Walker's Wood Jamaican seasoning before. That stuff is fantastic. Rub your chicken down today. Put it in a Ziploc bag. Let it sit in the refrigerator overnight. Work it in real good. Get it under skin, and then cook it with one of these things until it's tender. It will blow you away. We made uh, the drumsticks like that for the, the 2018 fall uh, event this year. People flipped out on how good it was. And it, was, it wasn't even as good as it can be because it had to be cooked in advance and the skin wasn't crisp and it was still fantastic. But when you do this fresh, though, the skin you get with cooking with this device is so much better than anything else you can do other than deep frying it. It's the only way you can get crispier skin. Give it a shot. Again, it's called the King Cooker, K-I-N-G-K-O-O-K-E-R, well, stop laying a wing grill, and I'll make sure there's a link to it in the show notes today. And all the stuff that Steve and I talked about, there are links to it in today's show notes as well. That brings us to our song of the day today. Um, this this song is is by one of my favorite bands of all time, Rush. Uh, this song is an example of a really serious topic in lightheartedness in the in the same thing. Um, There's, it's not in this version you'll hear here, but in they have a DVD they put out, and they slowed down the tempo of this song, and they put Simpsons voices in it. Homer Simpson says, doe. Then Lisa Simpson says, a deer, followed by Marge, Marge Simpson saying, a female deer, and then the band kicks it back up. So they had some fun with it. I, uh, I, I couldn't find that version for you guys. Uh, so... You're going to hear kind of, I guess you would call the, the the stock version of it. But I, I kind of wanted to talk about why I think that was done, that kind of quirky thing. I mean, I, I don't think they injected the Simpsons in this song for the same reasons I injected King of the Hill a couple times today. Uh, I think they were trying for some artistry here. And I think you can hear it even, like I said, in the stock version of the song. The song kind of sounds very, in the beginning, like 80s arcade-ish, like Atari-ish. Uh, the whole video is kind of like real with cartoon mixed in, and it's based a lot around a Monopoly playboard, like a game. 
And it kind of sounds very up music. It doesn't sound very serious. Well, the topic is extremely serious, and I think they're going for a juxtaposition there to try to create two opposite extremes of what they're really talking about. Um, just some of the words in this song. Sometimes building, this is what big money does, right? Sometimes building ivory towers. Sometimes knocking castles down. Sometimes building you a stairway or lock you underground. It's an old-time religion. It's the kingdom they would rule. It's the fool on television getting paid to play the, uh, play the fool. It's the power and the glory. It's a war in paradise. A Cinderella story on a tumble of a device. Um, yeah. Big money goes around the world. Big money give and take. Big money done a power of good. Big money makes mistakes. Big money got a heavy hand. Big money take control. Big money got a mean streak. And the last line of the song, Big money got no soul. And I don't think they're talking about music soul, but actual soul. No compassion. And I think there is a case to be made that a lot of the power in the world is wielded by people with massive amounts of money that we can hardly even get our heads around the concepts, some individuals and corporations and many in the case of states. But what we've been conditioned to believe is that money is the evil in the world. People will quote the Bible and say that the Bible says that money is the root of all evil, and it doesn't. It says the love of money. To place money above all other things is the root of all evil. To me, that's what that song is saying, and how easily we let it go, and just let it happen and accept it, I think is kind of put forward here by the, the quirky, arcade-like nature of the video and the music itself, and then, of course, the, uh, the aforementioned Simpsons interlude. Um, I think if you think about it this way, if you show somebody something really warm and sweet and then something horrible right next to each other, it makes the bad look worse. In the case of music, though, you have to listen for it. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.